Iced tea. Go a cappella. Now I'm on the West Coast, relaxing and chill, living on the mead streets of Beverly Hill. I have I love it. you way better than a lot of rappers that are making yes. records right now. She is Olivia Munn. Drop my name as much as you can. By the way, say. I am a first class name dropper. The great legendary John Madden, and then on the phone, Steve Marriott. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the thing. You watch a guy. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're playing this. Mooch, how did you sniff that out so quickly? I I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Chevy. Now it is down to just four teams for the Lombardi Trophy, the 2012 season has sloughed off 28 National Football League teams down to just four. Championship weekend is set after what most uh, observers, fans believe, is the most exciting divisional playoff weekend of all time. It certainly was the highest scoring version of uh, the National Football League playoffs. As a matter of fact, if you throw out an eight-game round from the strike-shortened season of 1982, the divisional playoff weekend was the highest scoring weekend of any weekend in the history of the National Football League playoffs. So it depends on whether you uh, you like that sort of stuff or not. Um, if you like the scoring, then you loved it. If you hate the scoring, then you really didn't like it. But in terms of competition, in terms of closeness, in terms of excitement, in terms of youngsters taking center stage in the spotlight and running with it, or in the case with Colin Kaepernick, running and passing with it, then you have to enjoy what you just saw this past weekend. Uh, Chris Brockman, good to speak with you, sir. Rich, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I am fine. Chris Law, good to see you as well. Rich, good to see a heck of a weekend, huh? Uh, I mean, it was uh, as great as it gets as far as I'm concerned. Was there anything not to like about this weekend? Well, I mean, the, the I last... Mean, unless the you last, were a fan of the, the losing the, teams. The last, yeah, of course, obviously. If you're a Bronco fan... Um, your your guts are spilled on the floor. If you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, your guts are spilled on the floor, and then you put it back in, and then it got spilled on the floor again. Ugh. And then, um, you know, a Packer fan has to sit there and scratch its head, uh, scratch their head over their defense. Uh, and I think that that is going to be one of the many subjects discussed between now and, and Championship Sunday. Is Colin Kaepernick that good? Is he the future of the position? Is he as great a dual threat that we have ever seen at quarterback, or is that the defense that gave up about 30% of Adrian Peterson's near record amount of yards in the regular season? Is, is, that, um, is, is that what we saw? Or you know, 20% of what uh, Adrian Peterson got. I'm terrible at math as fans of this program. <laughs> or or is, is this a situation where Colin Kaepernick – had the stage, had the spotlight, despite throwing a pick six in his first ever drive as a playoff quarterback, rebounding in such a way that it's rewritten the record books, or um, or is Green Bay just a, a team that, that, that you look that good against? We'll find out, and Atlanta's going to be the first test on that front. And we'll talk about that with our, our first guest who's going to join us, uh, Sports Illustrated's Peter King, NBC Sports' Peter King. And uh, and then the Peyton Manning saga that played out uh, once again uh, uh, with a one and done. Did you see that stat, guys? As to how many times he's been one and done? In Seven. No, this is now eight. 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 Wow. 
It's, I mean, it, it was I, his 12th career playoff appearance. Eight of the 12 have been one and done. Because he only, he only has nine wins, and Joe Flacco now has seven. Seven, yeah. Isn't that incredible? Amazing. Brady, and Brady now has 17, which is the most of all time. And it's his seventh championship game appearance, tying Joe Montana, the guy with whom he just had the, the tie broken for most individual wins of all time. Uh, he and Montana now have the most championship game appearances with seven. Uh, but as far as the Peyton Manning saga, uh, yet another disappointing playoff chapter, the incredible comeback season Ooh. of Peyton Manning, from what uh, may turn out to be his fifth MVP campaign, ends in one-and-done double overtime fashion. And this show's residential Peyton Manning expert, Rob Lowe, <laughs> will join the program later on. I wonder what Peter King will say. Do you think this latest one-and-done, despite everything that he accomplished this season, the comeback, the possible MVP, do you think this taints his legacy a little bit? Or uh, it cements it <laughs> further because uh, most people cements it as what a uh, as, just can't as, get it done in the postseason like some of the other contemporaries. Cements it as one of the greatest regular season quarterbacks we've ever seen, and one of the more head scratching, disappointing playoff quarterbacks we've ever seen. He, as you pointed out, is now nine on eleven, and as Mariucci pointed out on game day final on Sunday night, hey, that means you've been to the dance. Uh, 12 times, and you have won nine games. I mean, so many quarterbacks don't even make the playoffs, right. let alone make the playoffs repeatedly. But um, just the 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 interception he threw uh, at the end of the first overtime was, in many people's descriptions, Farvian, uh, where he got off the spot, which he as a quarterback has to know is exactly what the defense wants. And then he just tried to force it in there to his good buddy Brandon Stokely, who took some of the bullets, saying, don't, don't blame Peyton. I shouldn't have run the route the way that I ran it. But Manning did throw late back across his body over the middle. And as we all know, that's, that's usually a recipe for disaster. And, and it was. And um, with that quality field position just moments later in the second overtime, Justin Tucker split the upright, sending Baltimore into the AFC Championship game and Manning uh, home one and done. What do, what do you think to the question you just asked yourself, you two guys? What do you think? Well, I, I think some of the blame for this one has to come on Fox there at the end. I mean, you're, you have the time. You saw what Matt Ryan did with 30, what, 31 seconds left right. and going. I mean, obviously it's easier to second guess. You're at home in the playoffs. Um, but I, I, to, not, to not go for it with Peyton Manning and you got Kerry Williams on the outside who's just been getting torched all season long, and you have two of the best receivers in the game, and Decker and Thomas, deep ball threats. I, I thought it was, I was surprised they didn't at least try to, to get in a position there, which I found as a you know. I mean, I think if you saw Peyton Manning throw the ball, his arm strength just wasn't there. I don't think he had the strength to get the ball down the field to maybe get them in position. Well, in terms of uh, what you brought up, Chris Law, uh, I brought that up first segment of NFL Game Day Final Sunday night with Dion Marshall and Michael Irvin, that we just saw what Matt Ryan did with 31 seconds and two timeouts starting deep in his own territory. What he did was get his guy in position just mere seconds later for a 49-yard game-winning field goal. And if Matt Ryan can do that, why can't Peyton Manning do it? And Dion's response was it was different situations. The Falcons needed it to survive. Got it. The Broncos did not need it to survive. They just needed it if they wanted to win it right then and there. And Manning wanted no part, in his, Dion's words, wanted no part of Ed Reed. 
He said he wanted no part of Ed Reed. He, 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 he had no desire to go ahead and push it. And John Fox um, is going to have to account for that. Peyton Manning said, as I read in Peter King's uh, Monday Morning Quarterback, which will which will mine uh, with the author himself at length in a matter of moments, um, what Peter King said was uh, Manning audibled into what I thought was even worse, the running play on third and seven in their last possession of regulation, uh, the running play to Ronnie Hillman, as opposed to rolling your quarterback out, your you know, again, that would get him off the spot, I understand. But if you roll him out or you get him maybe even just in the shotgun position deep and you got his tight ends that he, he adores so much in in in, uh, in in Tammy. Jacob Tammy, yep. And Dreesen, right? Mm-hmm. Those two guys. Um, why not take a crack at those two? And if neither of them are open, you throw it away. And, yeah, I mean, you, or, or or you run off the spot and you slide. You just lose a few yards, keep the clock rolling in that in that manner, or you roll him out, and if the if it, things aren't there, then you just slide, you hook slide, and that's it. You lose a couple of yards, but the clock keep rolling because if if you have a chance to wrap things up with one first down, we saw it, in, I believe the first game of the year with RG three. Remember that? Yeah, where they could have just made sure that the opponent, the Saints, just used their timeouts, and then you kicked it back, and you hoped for the best on defense. Instead, what they did, they play fake with RG3 and just boop, threw it right over the middle, got the first down, game over. You do that, game's over. But who in the world expects Raheem Moore, their safety, to let Jacoby Jones get behind you in one of the biggest defensive bonehead plays that we may ever see? I mean, I, John Fox could never have thought that. Is Jack Del Rio feeling the heat after that? I don't know. I mean, you, if you're a coach, you dial up the play. You basically say, don't get nothing cheap, nothing deep, is what Deion Sanders always says. And it was cheap and deep. It was both. You <laughs> I know? mean, Flacco just winged it as far as he could. And Flacco wor- earned some money. But why not? It worked every, It worked all day. every All day. Right. All day it worked. Oh, and, they were burning and mostly them all day. Against, against Champ Bailey, too. Torrey yeah. Smith was torching Champ Bailey, and that'll be what a lot of people are going to be in Baltimore hanging their hats on between now and championship weekend in that game is that if Torrey Smith and the rest and Jacoby Jones was torching that that secondary, what's it going to do to the Patriots' secondary? What are they going to – what what problems are they going to present in, in Foxborough where it should be at least 30 degrees warmer, you know, <laughs> than, than it was for that frigid record cold for a Denver Bronco home playoff game, you know? So um, the the one that got me the most was the running the football on third and seven. I, I mean, if I'm a Raven fan, I am just breathing a sigh of relief saying thank you for doing that. Thank you for not putting the ball in Peyton Manning's hands. And according to Peter King, it was Peyton who took the ball out of his own hands. Can I just go back like, to that for a second? If you, I, I don't think it's fair to compare – what the Falcons and Matt Ryan were able to do, and then Peyton Manning not uh, even going for it. First of all, it was a 60-degree difference. I really think the weather had a lot to do with it. Maybe so. That, that, I, that I, I can definitely agree with. The- You're at home. It's a controlled environment. You're inside. It's 70 degrees. Plus, you had to have it. You had to. And you had to have it because they were trailing. But but that's uh, that's that mentality of we're just trying to hold on. We're not trying to win it. Like you got to have a, a jugular mentality and, and go for it. Kind of. They still. That's to, my philosophy. And they still had to go forty five yards though. That is my philosophy. If you if you can wrap it up yourself with the ball, why give the ball up and have the unit that doesn't have the ball try to wrap it up for you? I don't care if you're a defensive minded coach or you're a conservative coach. If 
I have the football. It is better than not having it. Period. And if I have the football, regardless of the temperature and regardless of the situation, if I have the ball and I have a Mount Rushmore quarterback with the ball in his hands, why would you do anything else? Uh, that may be 2020 hindsight, but these are the things that are they're going to have to sit on in Denver as um, the name of the quarterback for the Denver Broncos who most recently won a playoff game for that franchise is still named Tim Tebow. Yes, it is. And it's funny when we, we talked about that at the beginning of the season, you know, for the for this season to maybe be considered successful for Peyton Manning, they'd have to get further than Tim Tebow took them, and he did not. Well, technically he did. Got to the same place. Same place. Well, not even the same place. It was the same round. Same round, but it was a home game. Correct. So that was better. At least that's improved. I mean, if you, wanna, <laughs> if you really want to just nitpick, they were in a better spot it was home and it was as close a game as you could draw up again i, I don't want to cannibalize most of the stuff that i assume peter is going to say since um you know he wrote most of it on uh monday morning quarterback but the, how just how close that game is or was uh he, he broke it down numbers wise and i'm sure he'll do that again when we speak with him colin kaepernick guys who well, was, Rich, if, if you live in the 303 or 720, you can rewatch it all again on uh, NFL Network tonight. <laughs> very well done. Well, I, I imagine if you're in the 303 or 720, you have no interest. No interest at all. You know, maybe the, maybe you can you know download the podcasts that have been that have been uh, sitting up, I guess, in your iTunes or something like that. But exactly, um, Colin Kaepernick was jaw dropping, absolutely jaw dropping. I, I tweeted out that he was a big play ATM, and that's what he was. It's just like, you know, you put your card in the ATM and you have a choice between checking and savings, and it was easy. it's as easy as just pressing a button to yeah. get your cash, and that's what it was. You want to press the running button, the passing button, and for him to throw a pick six in his first drive and then still turn around, just get his sea legs under him and his footing and do what he did, and make, he made Aaron Rodgers look old. And Aaron yeah. Rodgers is young and is previously the one quarterback in this league who is as great on the run as he is standing still, as dangerous off the spot as he is in the pocket. And Kaepernick made him, made Rodgers have to be in the position of responding to his play rather than the other way around, which everybody in the National Football League thought would have to be the case with Rodgers going back to the place where he was spurned his hometown, his hometown team who did him wrong in the draft a few years ago, that he was going to teach them a lesson instead the other way around. Nobody saw that coming except maybe the diehard Niner fan and the Kaepernick household and the Harbaugh household that was down on its hands and knees hoping that would be the case. Because if it was the other way around, Harbaugh would be on such the hot seat right now. I, I couldn't even imagine it. What a game that was. Incredible. I'll tell you, I'm glad that uh, I was able to motivate the four teams with my REP playoff picks last week as <laughs> wow. I tweeted out because I went 0 for 4 this weekend. Well, I went 1 for 3. It was pretty ugly. Yeah, I, I had an 0 for Saturday and then won both games yesterday as the lone wolf to take the Falcons. You were the lone wolf to take the Falcons. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, but, but I want to ask you, Rich, uh, this, that Kaepernick performance, um, I, I almost likened it to – Vic going to Lambeau in 03 and beating the Packers, just in the terms Falcons. of shocking, just in terms of surprise, like just didn't see it coming whatsoever. Yeah, especially because they, the Packers had never lost a, a playoff home game in that spot, and Vic was the first to hand it to them. 
And that was surprising because a lot of people thought at the time that the Vic style of football was unsustainable. Right. And that Vic couldn't go into the house of Favre that had never seen anything like that before and win. And that was shocking. But it still is their home turf. Let's yeah. put, and, and, and they have a good defense. <laughs> but what Kaepernick did, I mean, his numbers – his numbers read like one of those bold predictions that we have on game day morning on Sunday <laughs> right. where where these guys come up with the most outrageous statistics that you'll never think can actually occur in a game and hope that it hits for their bold prediction. I mean, if you had said prior to the game as a bold prediction that Colin Kaepernick will have two touchdowns running, two touchdowns passing, and have to over 250 yards passing and set the single-game rushing record not only for a quarterback in the playoffs but of the quarterback in any game ever – ever and frank gore and crabtree both have over 100 yards rushing and receiving if you had said all of that that would have been the greatest bold (laughs) prediction of all time and that is what happened that's what happened what was was surprising to me was we saw the week before the packers defense faced joe webb and after that first drive you know they made the adjustments and his running ability really didn't didn't play much into the game and you thought maybe that they would be able to bottle up Kaepernick a little and that's what makes it all that much more impressive. He hit that second level and it was just gone. No chance. Well, I mean, Troy Aikman said at one point uh, on that 56-yard run that you're talking about that there was the Packers defense wasn't there, that they were so poorly covering it, that they were so poorly prepared for Kaepernick and he was being critical of the defense. And that may have been the case within the first five or ten yards of the line of scrimmage. But he ran away from right. the defense. I don't think it would have mattered if they were positioned properly. He ran through them and away from them. He looked like, I mean, seriously, the defense looked like me running the 40 and Kaepernick <laughs> being superimposed over me running the 40. That's what it looked like. Uh. I mean, and, 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 and on top of all of that, to use your analogy, Law, about Joe Webb the previous week and how in the first series he proved that, wow, this could be a long night for Green Bay with it because of how elusive he is. You know, at one point, Webb and any quarterback, despite how elusive they are, they are going to have to go on a three-step drop, five-step drop, even seven-step, hit the back foot, and on a timing situation, make a throw. Yeah, You're going to have to do that in the National Football League, and Webb proved right off the bat he couldn't do that. Kaepernick is dropping dimes, throwing lasers, hitting windows that only his it, through which only his guy can catch the ball. He was spectacular throwing it. And Almost I, as much as he was running it. And I texted you guys. I mean, this is Michael Crabtree's, like, coming out party. Like, how early is he going to be taking in fantasy drafts oh. next year? Well, Kaepernick, too. And Kaepernick, I mean, too. Well, I mean, again, we're going to have to see over the next two weeks or three weeks, if, if he is so fortunate to win in the Georgia Dome this week, uh, whether this is an aberration or this is the coming out party of, of Colin Kaepernick. We're going to have to see. I don't know. We will have to see if Colin Kaepernick can repeat this. If he does, everybody on our set, everybody that I saw on CBS's set on Sunday, everyone I saw on Fox's set on Sunday, I didn't see any of the ESPN coverage because I passed out when I got home. It's a long day for me. (laughs) Everybody believes that's a Super Bowl winning team if he can do that because of the defense because of what he opens up for the running game because of as you pointed out Crabtree has come alive and because of what he poses to a defense with this uh, read option that is killer um, I don't know how San Francisco 
doesn't win it all. Well, this is going to be another well, whole week of so, people hating on the Falcons. Sometimes so. I feel like, though, like in the like the media, sometimes we're like it, like Kaepernick is like the shiny toy right now, and we're all just looking at him. <laughs> no question. And two weeks ago, it was RG three or whatever. The last four weeks of the season, and you know he might come out and do it again this week, but he also might come out and lay a dud. And we're just all you know. He's the he's the dangling shiny thing, and we're all just standing there enamored with him right now. Well, we are because it was so jaw dropping, it was so unexpected, it was really awe inspiring. Uh, and um, Seahawk fans will be sitting here listening to this if they're not sitting in a dark room staring into space, and and are still interested in talking football at the moment. They're probably a little sick to their stomachs. They can raise their hand and say, hey, just look at Thursday, uh, Sunday Night Football, Week 16. We sort of took care of this team. Yeah. They, they are beatable. Kaepernick can be had. Kaepernick can be hit. Um, this team can be hit in the mouth with, with on offense as well. And um, the Falcons got out so fast on the Seahawks on Sunday. If they do that against San Francisco, perhaps, they can, they can make some hay in the, in the NFC Championship game as well. So we just saw, if you want to see about how beatable they are, we, we saw Week 16 Sunday night on the road, you know? Yeah. Even though Seattle's a very tough place to win, And, obviously. Rich, your, uh, your X Factor, Andy Lee, yes. three punts, two inside the 20, the long of 52. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, when Kaepernick wasn't, uh, wasn't getting it done, Andy Lee, with his, with his uh, T-shirt that he got just uh, before the game, what can I tell you? I even uh, I think I even tweeted that out at my guys on uh, game day morning set. There it was I think he pinned him inside the 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 ten at one point. So, what more can you do? You got to you got to do that. And, and hey, Andy Lee may have to uh, may have to pin um, the natural deep inside his own end also. Yeah, but if it's late in the game, I don't think it's going to matter. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> how how about um, that that game in Atlanta where fantastic? It was twenty to nothing at halftime. And the Seahawks left six very important points on the field. What One was of, Pete Carroll doing? Well, I think he what he was doing was down thirteen nothing, needing to quiet the crowd. If he could have scored a touchdown there, that would have been huge. Yeah, but I understand. But it's it's third and one. And you don't go to Lynch. Lynch wasn't even in the game on well, third he was trying down. To, trying to call saw, a timeout. He's yeah. trying to call a timeout. Right. But then fourth down, I mean, I know it's your man, Michael Robinson Law, but. No, I, I'm with you on that one. The, the fullback, the, the hand of the fullback on short yardage dive to me is one of the least um, creative short yardage situations you can do, especially with a quarterback like Russell Wilson. And the 2020 hindsight yeah. there is uh, why don't you spread them all out and then run it with Russ or spread them all out and then, you know, four wide and have Lynch back there. Right. Why don't you do something like that or, you know, kick the field goal because those three points would have been pretty darn crucial towards the end of the game. And the other three points that they left on the field was the absolute killer, which was um, a rare mistake by Russell Wilson. Yeah. A rare, a rare young green mistake by a kid who is otherwise sounding looking acting like the 10-year veteran that he feels like you know taking that sack no timeouts left you could see at one point he was he was he was making the signal to spike the ball so the down and distance uh, escaped him with the clock ticking down and you could clearly because taking that sack was the killer you can't get the field goal unit out at that point right 
and they were just a hair away from getting off the snap properly. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you guys because I'm in an edit. I, I have an edit bay right at my thing, and I heard Mark, Mark uh, Mike Pereira was yes. on after, but I yep. missed what he said. But what I, he said was that they weren't set anyway. Right, so even if he did beat the snap, yeah. it would have been an illegal formation or a false start, and which really, is ten which, second runoff. Which is a ten second runoff. Okay. Yeah, half would have anyway. I, I played it back in slow motion on my bay, and I could see the clock, and the ball was definitely snapped with the second still on there. I disagree. I thought they were all zeros. Yeah, I it thought happened. so, I, slow, I slowed it down, but I know that they said that wasn't the official clock. They, I think they said, like, uh, you know, that's that's Fox's clock. Yeah. It's not, it's not I, I mean, Russ, but Russ Wilson, who, again, n- normally has everything so under control and is so savvy and not only has the eyes in the back of the – the proverbial eyes in the back of the head, but knows situational football beyond his years – just you can't take the sack, and if you do, um, you, you, I don't even know if you do. I mean, if you do, it's over. I mean, the minute he took the sack, it was essentially it. And you can right. see, again, he was making the uh, universal uh, hand signal for let's spike the ball, get up there, let's spike it, and clearly he couldn't. So that's another three points that they desperately needed. And to go into halftime down 20 to nothing off of that, for them to score on their opening possession of the second half, was was huge. And then, to me, I know everyone talks about what Matt Ryan did at the end of the game and to the gun and whatnot, and it was very impressive. To me, the next drive, that was the most impressive drive of the game for the Atlanta Falcons because they answered. They answered right back, and they marched down the field. And some of the play calls that Dirk Cutter uh, um, uh, drew up, including that the, uh, the shovel pass to Snelling, mm-hmm right uh, to score that was genius I mean he really had Seattle's defense on its heels and the same defense that pretty much put up a brick wall from there on out until the final two uh, throws of the game by Matt Ryan that drive to me to put it back up to a 20 point lead heading into the fourth quarter meaning that as great as Seattle was playing as as well as they were moving the chains on offense the Falcons still took an entire quarter off the clock and still led by 20, thanks to that huge drive that the Matural led. That was a big-time, big-boy playoff drive in a big spot for me. Totally, totally, totally agree. And how about Tony Gonzalez? I mean, how happy are you for that guy to to finally get the playoff monkey off his back and not only have, what, six receptions, 55 yards, and a touchdown? Right. And he set up them with that game-winning field goal on that catch. Yeah, and 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 now you have to wonder how well Atlanta's going to play with that monkey off their back, you know, without that being in their in the back of their brains that most of them admitted. Yeah, we heard everything. Uh, although, again, Peter King, when we chat with him in a matter of moments, will tell you about how uh, Matt Ryan didn't hear very much of this chatter. Uh, last couple weeks, but the Falcons had to know that everybody's been waiting to see. We've been talking about it for weeks. Show me something in January. Yeah, we've been talking about that on this show for months. Yep, and they showed us something in January. I was impressed with the Falcons' offensive line, Rich. I know they were yes. with Seattle was without Chris Clemens, obviously a huge blow, but didn't give up a sack, and obviously that's going to be huge next week against San Francisco. Man, no doubt about hey, it. Hey, Rich, uh, I believe this was tweeted to you yesterday, but uh, Matty Ice, 0-3 in the playoffs. Yes. The natural. 1-0. 1-0. And, and I, th- <laughs> I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think so yet. But, man, no, the, the, um, the, I retweeted that, and, again, the resistance I'm still getting. This Matty Ice thing is very, very deep embedded, and it's going to take I, – I honestly thought we would get this thing handled by Thanksgiving, 
if not certainly by the Super Bowl. This is a this is a several year long project. It's like it's like Afghanistan and withdrawing troops. It just doesn't happen. Well, know? that means well that then <laughs> then then, it, then it's a generational thing. It's a generational thing. <laughs> because then we'll never get it done. You I know, think... then then somebody in then somebody who talks football in Russia will one day find out right, how difficult right. it was for us. <laughs> you know. Oh, Falcons, the other way Falcons win next week. I think we need a T-shirt crusade for New Orleans for the match. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's possible, but that might be throwing good money after bad or bad money after. Well, we're not yeah, spending any money. Well I, well, I was just making a war analogy, Rich. Just throw money at it. Oh, I see. Just throw money. I don't know if we can. I'm telling you. Even <laughs> Jeff, I pointed this out. Jeff Darlington did uh, what we call an advancer in the business. He did the uh, the story from the Georgia Dome on Sunday looking forward to the NFC Championship game. I saw that. And he closed out in his stand-up. He used the words Matty, to firm, term Matty Ice twice. He used it like three times, and he was tossing to you, and you came back. I thought you were going to call oh, him out on darling. it, but no, it, it's I, not a live thing. I know. You know, him, so. I know. That's why I didn't say anything. And plus, you know, I'd already called out Mariucci for using it on live. That TV. was great <laughs> when you went uh, You went 4-3 on the box there. Yeah, it, went four, yeah, it was the 4-3 alignment, you know, on, on our show. But, um, man, oh, man, oh, man. Uh, what an incredible first three games, and then the last game uh, of the uh, of the weekend essentially was um, was it wasn't as as uh, intriguing, and it certainly wasn't as intense, and and the intended uh, result, the or the expected result, hit more than ever. Uh, instead of it being forty two fourteen, the final was forty one twenty eight. So Houston did double up from the previous time. New England only scored one fewer point. Brady went out of his skull. Um, the Gronk. You know, I mean, we'll see if that means anything moving forward. But that, yeah. to me, was the the story, the big story coming out of there. Although, you know, uh, they've been Belichick's playing without him. For, they've been times. playing without him for six weeks, though. Yeah, Belichick blew it off at the end. Albert Breer, bless him, asked one question about it, then followed up asking Belichick if he regretted. I have that sound here, Rich, because uh, he addresses Albert directly. Yes, his, he does. Well, well, response. you know what? When 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 he drops your name on you. When Belichick <laughs> drops your name on you during the response, it's like the teacher basically staring a hole through you and saying you're going to have to see him after class or her after class. It was a death stare. It was a Kobe-esque death, death stare because I was watching that? it live. I you have, have it. That? Yeah, All right, yeah. let's, let's listen. Here it is. Bill, was there any question as to whether or not Rob was, was ready to return? Because obviously it looks like it's the same injury. That's what we've heard, that it's a broken arm again, the same arm. Was there any question whether or not he was, he was ready to go? Uh, well, we, he wouldn't have played if he wasn't. Do you have any regret in playing him, seeing that he had the same injuries before? We, the doctors, the doctors handle the medical decisions, Albert. See, when he said, <laughs> when he drops your name on you, that's, that, I mean, that's Belichick. It's great. When he drops your name, and then apparently uh, it happened again in the Monday in the, in the Monday conference call. Looking right. for, yeah, uh, Albert went Gronk again. I mean, it's almost as if uh, it's almost as if Albert found out that Belichick roots against Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> don't get Albert upset. I mean, Bill went to a small D3 school, Rich. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think he has uh, Big Ten allegiances. <laughs> there's no, there's no, uh, what is it, Amherst, right? He went, to, he went to Wesleyan. Wesleyan, okay. Yeah, yeah. There's no, we- there's no Wesleyan, Ohio State rivalry. Not that I think so. Urban Meyer didn't, uh, you know, spurn Wesleyan for, or, uh, or, you know, I don't right. know. Or, or, or steal their top recruit right, or right out from under him. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't, I don't. <laughs> Let's get to Peter King. 
And he's joining us on the phone line right now after uh, spending the weekend uh, in airports going from Denver to Atlanta and then back home. Uh, his uh, Monday morning quarterback is uh, must-read, as always, on SI.com, also from NBC Sports, and uh, a voter in the Pro Football Hall of Fame where he resides for his great work for all of us over the past several years. Peter King, thanks for joining us. Very nice of you, Rich. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I'll just throw it open to you to answer the question that a lot of people are wondering. Is this the best divisional playoff weekend uh, you've ever seen? You know, I think so. And not not really just because of the points, but because I think of so much of the drama. I mean, um, you know, it's the Peyton Manning-Ray Lewis game is actually – the Joe Flacco game, you know, to me, um, how I think that game is uh, really going to be remembered for years and years. I think it's uh, it's so fresh that we can't really can't really tell for sure. But to me, that's that's almost like um, for a Baltimore fan, depending on what happens this year. You know, the, the the throw by Flacco to Jacoby Jones is almost uh, immaculate reception-ish, you know. And, uh, you know, the Colin Kaepernick game, um, you know, really just uh, a ridiculous game by a player who, you know, two months ago, you know, 80% of America had no idea who the guy was, Um and and now you know he's he's got his team within a game of the Super Bowl, and then the Sunday games, a lot of drama there too. You you almost forget really when you look back on this weekend. I mean, one of the guys who I thought was a gigantic star of the weekend was Russell Wilson, and yet he's not playing anymore. Mm. <laughs> you know, he was terrific too. So yeah, I think it was a tremendous weekend. Right. I mean, Russell Wilson had uh, 385 yards passing in that loss and led the team in rushing and uh, darn near pulled off the greatest fourth quarter comeback in the history of the game. And that was just the third game of the weekend. Let's start with the the Denver Bronco game, you you were there. The Flacco game is is you're referring to it right now. You were there, and you were witness to the photograph that so many people have been t- talking about or retweeting all weekend long, which was Peyton Manning chatting with Ray Lewis in the locker room uh, about a ninety minutes after that game. What was what was it like for you to just be stare, standing there um, and witnessing this yourself? Well. It- you know, I had no idea it was going to happen like that. I just was, uh, you know, when I'm writing for Sports Illustrated, you, you really, uh, I thought of an immediate nature that if I just had my druthers, uh, that I would have tried to go follow Peyton Manning after the game because I just thought that, you know, the drama of, you know, almost a Favre-like throw from four years ago in the NFC Championship game, a throw that, really, I'm sure, is going to haunt Favre that he remembers to this day. And I know that the throw that he made across his body, Peyton did in that game, is really going to bother him for a long time. But, you know, I've got to sort of think ahead. So I just went and spent some time with uh, with the Ravens afterwards, uh, particularly concentrating on Flacco. Um, and I thought a, a, an incredible coming-of-age game and coming-of-age performance. So the last guy in the locker room and the last guy there was Ray Lewis. And I was just sort of, 
kind of hanging around. I was going to write something about him. I didn't know what. And, uh, you know, so I, I followed him around a bit from his press conference to uh, uh, he was he did a one-on-one uh, with, with Dion, I guess, afterwards. Yep. I was listening to that uh, sort of behind the, the NFL Network cameras. And then right after that, I was going to try to talk to him, and he immediately went back into the locker room, and there's Peyton Manning and his son Marshall and and wife Ashley, and uh, they just had about a four or five minute moment um, that uh, you know that Manning had been waiting, I guess, about eight to ten minutes for him in there, and uh, it was it was just a uh, I thought it was very touching and very real and. Uh, the the coolest thing was when uh, when when she just said at the end when when Lewis clearly had to leave he was holding up the team bus uh, but when when he was getting ready to leave Ashley said hey can I get a photo of you guys you know with with Marshall and mm-hmm. so there the three of them Ray Lewis Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning's son just stood there and said cheese for the camera and uh, for the little iPhone camera and. That was just, uh, you know, the whole moment was was really kind of a a cool moment that we probably don't see enough of uh, in a in sort of a sporting society where uh, we probably need a little bit more sportsmanship than we have. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll be showing that uh, photograph on TV uh, when Marshall's the MVP of Super Bowl seventy two. I think we'll probably, <laughs> I love that. We'll probably see that a, a few times, but you know, I mean, I get a lot of tweets, and I'm sure you do too. And you you hear some of the criticism of us in the media not laying into Peyton Manning for these types of mistakes with the same fervor that we did with Favre, or the same fervor that many in the baseball world do with with Alex Rodriguez, with uh, the world on their shoulders and their teams needing them to come up with the game-winning performances and them failing in the big spots. I think you describing what Peyton did to wait for Ray Lewis and us knowing what how normal that is for Peyton Manning in his operating procedure and the of him as a person and an athlete. I think maybe that's why we don't lay as much into Peyton as fans think we should. Would you yeah, agree with I, Rich, that? I, I'll tell you this. I'm I'm guilty, I'm sure as anybody, but I can't uh after a game like that and after a season like this it's funny. I, I was thinking of this walking uh, in that frigid night, um, walking back up to the press box after I saw all this. And, you know, we're just a week removed from the the Robert Griffin kind of debacle in Washington. And, um, you know, the injury debacle. And, and I, I just found myself thinking that um it's it's fairly impossible for in either situation for me to put the black hat on one person and the same way as I can't say that Mike Shanahan deserves uh to be hung on a crucifix um you know for for what happened now uh, you know in the Redskins final game of the season you know, I think some of the blame also goes to Robert Griffin III. I think some of it goes to James Andrews uh, for being on the sidelines and basically continuing to, you know, to, to watch this, this happen, even though most of us can watch it and say somebody's got to intervene here. It's the same way with, you know, with Manning, and I've heard it all in the last 
24, 36 hours, basically that, uh, you, you know, you, you're given, uh, you're giving Peyton Manning a hall pass. I'm not giving him a hall pass. I say that that was an absolutely terrible throw, a terrible decision, uh, and uh, it, it, obviously something that he never, a throw he never should have made at all. But I also say this, that, you know, that the, that the Denver Broncos put up 35 points on the Baltimore Ravens and uh, had one of the all-time huge defensive back gaffes that you'd ever see at that moment in time in the last 30 seconds of a game for a safety to either have a, constant, a lapse in concentration or uh, whatever you'd call that. But it, it just, it's, I'm incredulous to this moment having watched it a bunch of times, that, I mean, that was uh, obviously a horrendous play by, by Raheem Moore. And, and, and add to that just the fact that what kind of season Peyton Manning had. You know, an 11-game winning streak and all this other stuff. Um, you know, it's hard for me to say that, uh, that, that this guy ought to wear the black hat and he ought to be the, the big goat of the weekend. I named him one of my two goats of the weekend, but, along with Raheem Moore, but... I just I can't find it in my heart or in my journalist heart to say that uh, the guy made one of the worst plays ever. I mean, it was a terrible play. It shouldn't have come to that, but um, you know that's the way it goes. Well, uh, it wouldn't have happened if Manning had thrown for a first down on third and, st- and third and seven yeah. instead of handing it off to Ronnie Hillman. And in your Monday morning quarterback. I had not seen that anywhere else, but Manning Manning audibled to that play. It was on Manning, Manning to admitted hand it off? yesterday that he audibled to this play, which I didn't know when I first you know the column went up at nine o'clock Eastern or something like that on Monday, and I didn't know that that had happened. So one of my readers from Denver sent me a note and said, hey, you know, Manning admitted audibling to this. And so I looked up online, and I looked at Manning's press conference from yesterday, and, he's, and he did. He said that, uh, you know, don't blame Mike McCoy for that call. I audibled into it. Now, you know, as I wrote, you know, Ronnie Hillman is a, is a good change of pace speed running back who had not been doing much of anything in this game, and it did okay, came in for an injured no-Sean Moreno. Uh, but here's the third tailback on his team, uh, you know, after Willis McGahee, no-Sean Moreno now. And, uh, you know, he, he, had, he had gotten seven yards uh, on a rush four times out of 22 on the entire day. And um, I'm sorry to, to, you know, to question, you know, the decision there by Peyton Manning, but... I just I find it preposterous that you'd rather have the ball in Ronnie Hillman's hands on a play that could mean the end of the Ravens season, and you know it could be the continuation of in, of uh, Denver's season. I just uh, I didn't think it was a good decision. At and all. then there was the decision to kneel down twice with a couple timeouts left in an end of game situation that we've seen Manning thrive. Dozens upon dozens the of times. The same situation, Rich, that you saw uh, Matt Ryan well, uh, it, in Atlanta with 31 seconds to go, actually with with 25 seconds to go, 
Well, uh, Atlanta Atlanta needed that, as what Dion said to me on game day final Sunday night. I brought this very subject to him. Atlanta needed that in order for their season to survive, that Denver technically didn't need that. And the only reason why we think they ha- did need it is knowing that they eventually lost the game. That was his take on that. But well, I, I, I mean, think I'm with you as, on this, As far though. as the game itself goes, I mean, you know, the one difference there is that Indiana or Indianapolis, Denver needed a field goal. So did you know, as did Atlanta. And even though the conditions were far different in the game, with two timeouts and a half minute to go, I'll take my chances. Just chances, you know, with Peyton Manning not making a horrendous mistake. Which, I mean, obviously later in the game he did. But I'll take my chances, you know, handing the ball to Peyton Manning to see if I can get. 40 yards in 30 seconds with two timeouts left, or, or maybe 45 yards, whatever it would have taken to get into field goal range. Yeah, it it, it really was something that uh, I think will also stick in Manning's craw for a while to come. Um, what are you – Let just moving on, because I'd love to hit all these games with you before hitting you on some uh, championship game thoughts and then letting you go into uh, uh, whatever, I guess uh, – convalescence you do after a weekend like the one that you just had uh Kaepernick's performance uh, where do we place this in the proper perspective is it is it as great as a performance as we've ever seen in the playoffs and a prism for the way the position will be played or people will want the position to be played moving forward or just a great performance in a big spot uh, that will be hard to duplicate. It's a beauty in the eye of the beholder game game performance because uh, you know everybody's going to look at that game, Rich, and look at it in a slightly different way. I, I look at it and say that look, the NFL is ninety three years old, and at this point, the way the game is played, I think, is changing before our very eyes. If coaches don't get afraid of the injury that happened to Robert Griffin III. I think more and more teams are going to take as an accepted practice the fact that a quarterback becomes, if he is accurate throwing the ball on the run, a quarterback becomes so much more dangerous if he can leave the pocket and, 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 and make very big plays. And that's what happened over the weekend. I mean, the, the the Green Bay Packers, you know, have a pretty good pass rushing team. And I almost feel for, for Dom Capers trying to prepare for this the same way Mike Nolan this coming weekend, the defensive coordinator on, on Atlanta. I mean, how do you tell John Abraham and Sean Weatherspoon, go get the quarterback? Well, because how are you going to get the quarterback? You can't find him. And you know, to me, it shouldn't be a matter of, boy, quarterbacks are getting in harm's way. If you watch the way Russell Wilson plays, Russell Wilson does not scramble to run. He scrambles to elongate plays and to, and to, and to, 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 to basically, you know, he scrambles a receiver open. That's what he does. He, I mean, he'll run when he has to and run when he sees a – a 15- or 20-yard run in front of him, but he doesn't want to run. And I think there are some design runs for Kaepernick, but he's not quite exactly the same way as Wilson. 
But I, I, I just think we're seeing a new era of quarterbacks that in the last two or three years we've just seen it change. And I remember thinking this summer, going to Redskins training camp, I thought Mike Shanahan was crazy to put a 218-pound uh, quarterback in position to have designed runs. I saw a 20-play series that, uh, you know, that there were six designed runs by, by Robert Griffin III in training camp. And I just said to myself, this guy's going to get hurt. Now, it turns out that he did get hurt. But look at the other quarterbacks who play out of the pocket a lot this year. Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Colin Kaepernick. And there are a few others, but those three in particular, mm -hmm. they didn't get hurt this year. And so I, it, maybe you say, well, you know, they're, they're tempting fate. But I just um, I think we're seeing a really exciting new wave of the future myself. And with the way that Kaepernick played, uh, Jim Harbaugh, he's not just the cat who ate the canary. He's the cat who's eaten every bird indigenous to North America. I mean, with what he did in the mid, uh, middle of this season – and to have Kaepernick make that cash in the manner that he did against Aaron Rodgers, who he made look passe in a way, you know? I mean, that that was some. I didn't see that one coming, Peter. I will. I fully cop to that. I didn't see that one coming. I didn't expect it. I don't think it. anybody saw it coming, Rich, and I don't think it means that Aaron Rodgers is yesterday's news. I just think it means that uh, Colin Kaepernick is tomorrow's news. <laughs> it's a great way to put it. And Russell Wilson, I... I I love that kid, man. I mean, and hard not to love him. I mean, Rich, here's what the incredible thing is to me, okay? One year before he's drafted, he is playing single A ball in the Carolina League for the Colorado Rockies who who have told him, "We're going to fast track you. You're going to be our second baseman. You're our second baseman of the future. 2 years, 3 max, you're our guy. You're going to play second base in Coors Field for years." He's tempted by it, but he loves football so much he wants to give that a shot. And at the time, he's still the North Carolina State quarterback. Mm -hmm. So imagine what he has to do when he finds out that North Carolina State doesn't want him anymore and has given the job to his backup, uh, Mike Glennon, not because they don't like Russell Wilson, but because they can have two years of Glennon versus one year of Wilson. And I think one of the most fascinating things of this all is that he walked onto the campus at Wisconsin on July 1st. And by the time practice started, like 25 days later with the full squad, here he is, and he's the number one quarterback, and he knows their offense. Incredible. So everybody said, geez, how do you learn an NFL offense so fast? He had a longer time to learn the Seattle offense <laughs> than he did, you know, the, the, the Wisconsin offense because he was drafted in April, can look at the playbook even if he can't go to practice that long, but – you know, he's got a few months. That must have felt luxurious to him versus what happened at Wisconsin. Walk me through your post game there, too. What did you do after the uh, final gun of that game? Um, I, I just, uh, you know, the, I would love to have gone and seen the Seahawks because I knew that loss had to be devastating to them. And uh, there's so many really good stories in that locker room, most notably Russell Wilson. But again, you know, I just went and, and basically I, I tried to uh, see as much of Tony Gonzalez and, and Matt Ryan as I could. And uh, Tony Gonzalez, I got to tell you, that, that was, I, I, I was so, so happy for this guy because of what he's been through in his 
career. Mm-hmm. And, Rich, I did a story on him for Sports Illustrated about two months ago, and he got angry when we were talking about, well, you know, his career is going to be diminished if he doesn't win a playoff game. <laughs> and he said to me, I'm not a freaking quarterback. <laughs> and, you know, he said, I'm a tight end. So, uh, and, you know, I could just tell, he, 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 you know, and he said to me and said to several others, I, I mean, it's probably more relief that I finally got this this off my back than it is just pure joy at winning the game. And uh, But anyway, and then spent some time with Ryan and, and uh, who is, you know, if, 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 if NFL Network and Visa and uh, who, whatever else, whoever else the gigantic sponsors of the NFL are these days, I mean, all I can say is if this guy wins a couple more games, You've got your cover boy for the next few yeah, years because he's, awesome. he's, uh, he's, you know, he. I don't think he's ever said the wrong thing in his career. You know, he's. But anyway, he. Uh, and he, he I read, uh, I read. You said he tuned, he tuned the sports world out the last couple. Yeah, of years. that that was really interesting. I thought, he, you know, because he said last year he probably listened or read a little bit too much. So this year, the only thing he did was wasn't going to watch sports on TV. He didn't want any of that stuff to creep into him, and he just. And he wasn't going to read or listen to anything, so he he just started watching TMZ with his wife, <laughs> and uh, watching all the gossipy crapola that's out there, and uh, you know, just watched himself some junk food TV instead of you know, going and watching, you know, sports where somebody's going to say, "Boy, big game for the legacy of Matt Ryan this weekend." <laughs> so, so I was wondering what got into him the last minute of that game, and you said he was keeping up with the Kardashians. So now I know. Why was making all those big time throws? <laughs> yeah, I I made a joke to him, but he I don't think he really got it. I said, "Do you know what sex the baby is?" <laughs> I don't think he I don't think he's watched it that closely. Though. That is fantastic. And then New England did what what it did. Do you think the Gronk injury is going to be something of significance or as significant as it was last year to this team in their chances of winning it all? I mean, I think they've gotten used to playing and playing well without him, Rich. And uh, I had a stat in my column, basically, that you know that said in the five games he missed, the Patriots averaged 34 points a game. In the 11 games he played, they averaged 35. So, and I'm not saying it's not going to be meaningful. You got to be ridiculous to say it's not meaningful. All I'm saying is that they've gotten used to playing without him. And uh, the one good thing that Bill Belichick has done is he is just, you know, he didn't just uh you know go out and get a uh, you know one or two guys as skill players to help Wes Welker you know he's got eight or ten and he said okay we lose the tight end we're going to call more plays for Shane Vereen you know we lose Danny Woodhead okay um here comes Vereen out of the backfield and here comes short stuff maybe more more intermediate stuff to Aaron Hernandez I mean remember last year in the in the playoff game against Denver, where all of a sudden here's uh, Aaron Hernandez playing running back yes. and playing slot back and playing everything. I remember after that game, he played five different positions on the field. And that's, I mean, that's what makes Bill Belichick different from everybody else. He just keeps thinking, why can't I do this? Oh, we drafted Devin McCourty as a safety in the fir- or as a corner in the first round. Well, I'm going to play him safety, and you know what? If we get an injury at corner, I'm playing him at corner. Big deal. I don't care. 
you know, it's just a defensive back. It's for people who say that, oh, a cornerback can't play safety. Just just go out there and defend the pass. He he doesn't try to make it more complicated than it is. I know, and 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 every facet of his demeanor and every facet of his the way he comports himself has a message. And the the one spot that 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 came home to roost or crystal was crystallized more than I've seen in quite some time was the moment when Vereen caught that remarkable touchdown pass from Tom Brady and CBS cuts to Belichick in the midst of a conversation with his defense that he's interrupted by the score. He looks up at the scoreboard, sees what had just happened, which was remarkable, and then just turned to the defense and said, all right, now, you know, and kept yeah. on with what he was talking about, and that's the way to tell a team, okay, that was spectacular, sure, but we expect that here, and what's most important is what you're going to do next. Yeah. That was awesome yeah. to me. I, I think I think you're, you're right about that. I think that's one of the things. I mean, it's funny. I saw that a little bit in Atlanta, too, with 25 seconds to go. Um, there was perhaps a... I mean, Tony Gonzalez admitted to me he had a three-second woe-is-us moment yeah. and we're going to lose and, you know, I'm going to be miserable for months about this. <laughs> but then he just said, well, wait a second, we, we, got, we can do this and let's go. And I think, you know, that's the one thing that Belichick's always been able to do. He'll be happy at the end and he's got work to do now. I, I have always thought that one of Belichick's strengths is his ability to co- to compartmentalize things and to just move on, and uh, I think that's a great example. And 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 I think most people, when they watch football, I think that has become more and more with with a lot of coaches, really kind of a mantra of what they do. You know, don't don't worry about anything else other than what you can directly control. That moment Belichick's talking to his defense, the only thing he could do differently is to go out and hug Vereen. So what? Big deal. Right. He had a point to make to his defense, so he made it. Just two more questions if, uh, if you have the time for me, Peter. Um, uh, which team that lost this weekend do you think has the biggest reckoning over the next couple of months? Well, I, I think that's a really good question. I, I don't think that, that, lo- that the loss this weekend really hurt Seattle. Seattle's going to be back. Um, and, you know, as odd as, odd as it sounds, I, I don't really think the loss this weekend is going to be that bad a thing for the Denver Broncos. I think they're going to be back. I think Manning's determined. Manning has seen that he can manage this situation he has with his neck. Uh, obviously, he's he's not, you know, he can't throw the bullet that he once did, but he just had a pretty good year for a guy who everybody says, well, he can't do what he used to do. Um, I, I would, I would think, Rich, that you know the one game, the one team that I've really got to do some soul searching with is the Green Bay Packers. If you're Mike McCarthy, you should say to yourself, at least in my opinion, is our defense working? You know, do we need to ask questions about the future of Dom Capers right now, or? about or do we just have we just had too many injuries there are we a little bit too old in certain spots and do we need to seriously think about going out in the off season either in free agency you know letting uh, after letting Greg Jennings and Donald Driver and maybe a few other guys go do we really need to think about you know bringing in two or three more big defensive pieces 
to fix that. I, so I, I would say they have, they have the biggest question. And secondly, it would be Houston. I think you have to look at this weekend and just say, okay, you know, they got a really good defense, but there's been twice now where New England's put up 41 and 42 against them. And part of the reason is they just haven't had enough answers offensively. Um, so I think is Matt Chubb is – they're not giving up on Matt Chubb. They just paid him a huge amount of money. Right. But I think they've got to work with Matt Schaub in possessing the ball, um, you know, longer drives, and uh, just getting Schaub better. Can he? I don't know. But that's that's a uh, that was a worrisome point from yesterday. How good Matt Schaub is, or how if he's good enough. Lastly, how do you see the championship weekends playing out? First blush, several days removed. Well. I you know when I watch the 49ers especially when you see that um when you see that uh, you know Atlanta really couldn't get to Russell Wilson very much they could get a little bit of pressure but they never could get to the quarterback much I mean I, I don't know how especially with your best pass rusher John Abraham having a bad ankle I don't know how you're going to slow him down I think the 49ers hope or the Falcons' hope against the 49ers is turnovers. It has to be. Right. Uh, that's what they have to hope for. And, and you know, I, I probably am going to pick San Francisco in that game. Um, and the other one, you know, as much as you'd want to pick the Ravens just because the story is so good, I, I, I just think the Patriots are too good and they're too multiple uh, on offense. I mean, if you're the Ravens, at least in my opinion, where, where Flacco has played great in these games against Tom Brady recently, um, if, you, uh, if, if you want to try to beat the New England Patriots, I think you just have to limit the possessions um, you know, of Tom Brady, and therefore I think it has to be more of a Ray Rice game this week than it was last week. Peter, I really appreciate the time. I know you've uh, been busy, traveled out, written out. I really appreciate you spending this much time on the phone with me. Thanks. Hey, no problem, Rich. Have a great week. You bet. Take care, Peter. Yep. So Peter King um, thinks there will be a Patriots 49ers Super Bowl. Well, I know I'm half right, but that's yours, right, Rich? That would be. Who predicted that in the preseason predictions? You might have had that one. But yours, Chris Laws, is alive. Still alive. You have the Harbowl, correct? I have the Harbowl, yes. You predicted the Harbowl, and here they are. Didn't Michael Lombardi have the Harbowl, too? And know. he had Joe Flacco's MVP. And wow. Joe Flacco's finally starting to look like that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I started going through our fans' REP picks. I'm eliminating a lot of the uh, empty ones. So we still, hey, man, let me still tell you something. That. Let me hold on a minute. When, when it comes down to uh, if Flacco, if the Ravens win the Super Bowl and Flacco's the MVP of it, I think we should still give we should give uh, Lombardi half a credit. <laughs> Half That's a credit because he yes. was a week late, right? It, well, I mean, he was he would be twenty four weeks late. I mean, because he thought that you know he would be the MVP, predicted that preseason, and then he was far from the MVP of the regular season. Right? But yeah. If he proves to be the MVP of the postseason and the Super Bowl, that would be that would be a half credit. I agree. I'm going to go jump off the Tobin Bridge, Rich. If that happens, <laughs> the Tobin Bridge. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. I'm assuming it's in, it's it's in a, Boston. It's in Boston, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> interestingly, and, and I will sit back and say I am a genius if it is Patriots and um, Niners. But, You're and, and if the Niners make it for you too, Law, you and I will have to at least for a moment admit that we 
had no idea they would get it with Colin Kaepernick. No clue. <laughs> and if we were told that he was going to make that move mid-season, if we were told after we picked the 49ers to make the Super Bowl and somebody said, hey, by the way, uh, mid-season he is going to switch to Colin Kaepernick, I probably would have gotten off that pick. I have a confession to make. My pick was actually, now that I look it up, uh, Ravens-Packers. Oh. Oh. Okay, so you didn't have – so it, the Harbaugh was, was Lombardi's. Uh, the Harbaugh yeah, was Lombardi's. Yeah, I think Lombardi's. it was just Lombardi. Yeah, yeah, he was all in on Harbaugh. And yours – what was your what was your pick? I had Ravens, Ravens-Packers. Brockman, what was your pick? I had Packers-Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. So both of you guys are half right, potentially. Yep. With the other half being the team that has the most – the hardest reckoning – uh, the team that lost this past week and that has the hardest reckoning, according to Peter King, mm-hmm. who said that the Packers are going to be the ones having to have the hardest fall after this game this past weekend with the Texans right behind, although he says that they're Matt Schaub, they're not going to move away from him. I, I would have to think if I'm the Texans, even though they have committed this money to him, you have to think with what you've seen out of Russell Wilson and Colin Kaepernick, why not get that type guy to run your offense if you can find him. Seriously, why wouldn't teams go ahead and do that right now? Regardless of how much money they have committed to quarterbacks of the Schaub ilk. And by that ilk, I mean guys who have proven that they can do it at a high level, guys who have proven that they that they can seize a moment every now and then, although I think Schaub, it would be, it would be difficult for him to point to a moment and say, that was my moment. But guys like Philip Rivers, seriously, are you I'm being saying, serious right now. Are you saying Taylor Jonathan Yates isn't the answer? I'm serious that there are some teams that are going to have to take hard looks at what has happened in this sport, in this league, teams that are successful, and it's a copycat league, and see who's going to be on that field at Lucas Oil in uh, about five weeks' time at the Combine and say, is there a Kaepernick? Is there a Wilson out there? And if there is, we're drafting him. So the six. If I'm an owner of an NFL team, I'm calling my player personnel people in and say, "Who's that kid?" So Unless, the, of course, I've got somebody who's already a playoff caliber quarterback or a Super Bowl MVP type quarterback. Yes. Wow. So, so teams might get away from the six-five pocket passer who can throw at eighty yards. Yes, the Matt Ryan's, the Lux, the Joe Flacco's, I mean, throwbacks, throwbacks. Wow. They'll be viewed that. I think so. And, again, I don't think I'm knee-jerking it from this weekend. You can look it up. Our boy, uh, your, your our Twitter friend, Albert Breer, and Pete Prisco got into a little tweet today just oh about boy. this topic. Yeah, I, well, I sent that yeah, to you. Yeah. yeah. About the uh, about the, the About the, the – he was calling – Pete was saying that the read option would be, you know, like, like Wallace Boy Gangnam style would be forgotten in five years. <laughs> I don't think so. Not the way these kids are playing it. They can stay healthy. That's the that's the tough thing. Yeah, obviously, sure, sure. But if I am an owner of a team, if I'm Woody Johnson, if I am uh, Spanos, if I'm McNair, yep, hmm. I am calling in my guys and saying, okay, I understand where what we have committed in our quarterbacks, and I understand that you know, in the case of of Rivers, he is in the case of Arians, maybe if he comes there, a reason for a coach to find their job attractive. If I'm Jeff Lurie, I'm Shad Khan, yes. Yeah. If, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm Wilf up in Minnesota, I'm sitting there going, 
wait a minute. But you got Joe. I mean, well, we saw. Hey, but he Joe should. Webb couldn't throw it. Yeah. Or or can Joe Webb throw it? If he can, then let's start working him up because the dynamism. But they had the position. They had Tavares Jackson, same type of player. No, maybe they just. Did, I don't know. Maybe. But Tavares Jackson doesn't have that sort of le- No, I mean, he doesn't have that it, but he was the same style. There have got to be more Kaepernick's and Wilson's out there. Wow. Have to be at the collegiate level. Or, and, and if so, I'm saying find him. Find him. I own an NFL team. That's what I'm saying right now. We'll talk about this more in five weeks, four oh. weeks, as we're getting ready for the combine. We'll get, we'll get our buddy uh, no doubt. Dimitrov on. <laughs> our, our annual chat with the pre-combine chat Absolutely. with the, the, the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons. He could be the, the Super Bowl winning general manager. What was your Dimitrov? Uh, how do you remember that again? The meat? There's no meat? In, uh... Yeah, that's why he's Dimitrov. You remember, he's not Dimitrov. Yes. Because there is no meat in Dimitrov. <laughs> there is no meat in Dimitrov because he's a vegan. Nice. That's a way to remember how to pronounce his name. Um and and uh, so there, yeah. I mean, Peter King said those are the two spots with reckonings. Although quarterback is clearly not their problem. Um, I, I agree with him on the the Packers. I mean, I think that's been a lot of the talk today and surrounding it. That, that defense has some trouble, and I think unfortunately it's the last time we'll see Greg Jennings in a in a Packers uniform. That's crazy. Which is and Donald Driver too. Who I don't, he didn't even play towards the end of the year. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, Randall Cobb took his spot. Sure. But that's what the Packers have to deal with moving forward. Um, and then there's the Broncos uh, after what they uh, they went through uh, with John Fox just moments ago, saying the reason why he took a knee is because he looked at his team and they looked like a fighter that uh, had just gone on 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 so let's turn now to the Rich Eisen podcast official Peyton Manning expert. Uh, <laughs> he's been on this show before. Uh, in many facets as Peyton Manning expert and also as himself, where you will see um You'll see this uh, this gentleman on Parks and Recreation actually hanging out in Lucas Oil with a couple of Indianapolis Colts this coming Thursday, NBC at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And then um, this weekend on Lifetime, uh, 9th, on uh, January 19th, prosecuting Casey Anthony. Thrilled to have Rob Lowe back on the podcast. How are you, Rob? I'm good. Hey, listen, for all you NFL files out there who've yes. always wondered about Jim Irsay's acting ability, yes. this is your moment. This He's, Thursday night. Ursay is on Parks and Recreation, too? Jim Ursay and I do a scene together. Is that right? What do you do? What do you got? I can't reveal what it is because okay. it's a, sort of a, a surprise in the episode. Right. But, um, I, you know, Jim's up there, man. I'm telling you. He's, he's the Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> of Indianapolis. <laughs> Where, so he's a chameleon? He's a, is a, like he can just become whomever, including himself. He can, he can, yeah, well, he can become himself. Let's put it that way. He's great mm-hmm. at being himself. Right. And and who else is in this? Is um, it, I, I think I saw you tweeting about it, right? Yeah, or, and, and, or he tweeted about it. Andrew Luck yeah. and Reggie Wayne. Now, is what what can you tell us about how and why your character winds up in Lucas Oil 
with the owner of the Colts and the quarterback of the Colts and their potential future Hall of Fame quarterback. All uh, will I, become, I mean, uh, all will become clear. All okay. will become But I, I can tell you this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to guard Reggie Wayne. Mm. In, case, in case people didn't know that. Right. Very hard to guard him. He can get separation on a guy like Rob Lowe. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, despite your, your cat-like lateral first step. You know. That's true. I'm, I'm telling you, although guarding him, I did look better than the Broncos secondary. Oh I actually did look better Lord. than Champ Bailey for one brief fleeting moment. Well, all right, let's get into this, because I know you have, as we all know, everybody knows, you have an affinity for Peyton Manning and um, therefore followed him closely uh, from the years that you, you fell in love with him and became a Colts fan because of it yep. in Indianapolis. And now saw him in Denver, and he was one and done. That's why I had to get you on the phone. What What did you think of that game and performance, Rob Lowe? Well, you know, I love him. And <clears throat> I'm a, now a, a Broncos fan because of him. But I, I've, that, was a pain, that, was a, that was a painful loss, man. But it's one of those things, really, at least for me, where there really are so many. That loss can be shared by so many. There's so many things in that game that I did not understand. It, it wasn't just the secondary. And um, there was play calling I didn't get. Um, you know, it sort of went on and on and on, but that was a heartbreak. That was a tough one to watch. Now, I was uh, pretty surprised that Peyton Manning had the ball taken out of his hands twice. Once when they ran uh, for on third and seven, when they could have ended the game at the end of regulation uh, with a pass, with just one first down, it would have been over. Mm-hmm. Instead, they run it, have to punt back. We saw the disastrous play by the defense at forced overtime because they took a knee twice. Now, Peyton said he was the one who audibled into that run. He said, don't blame the coach for the run. Blame me. What do you, what do you think about what we saw in the last couple Well, listen, let's put it this way. Day? The last time I speculated on Peyton, I got my head bashed in. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm, I'm very remiss to start speculating. But yes. it wouldn't be out of character for Peyton to be taking one for the team. Mm-hmm. I find it hard to believe that Peyton audibles into the one worst play of the NFL season. I think maybe he was, you know, it's, it's entirely possible he's following orders. It doesn't work out, and so he takes one for the team. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put that past him because he's such a gentleman. It was just so shocking just to see him take a knee. And the coach essentially said that um, the team seemed so shell-shocked by that 70-yard touchdown and that they had to come out and actually, for them to put uh, a few throws together, few plays together to try and matriculate the ball down the field, even though they had two timeouts left, they decided to just fight for overtime. Now, if I was a Raven fan, I, w- I would have been applauding that philosophy. That was a little surprising to me, too, Rob. Yeah, it was, it was such a... I mean, I felt like I was living in an alternative universe. <laughs> well, I, f- I felt like I was watching, you know, their coach, coach you know, the, the, the Carolina Panthers again. Yeah, that's what I'm like. That's not Jake DeLome or Tim Tebow out there, right? No. That was very, very. It, it was, it was odd. But you know, what's done is done, and you know, now we we wait for next year with Peyton, and we have, but we've got good stuff going forward with the rest of the team. Yes, of course, with Peyton Manning. I mean, he he looked so great this year. I mean, better Amazing. than better uh, than anybody ever thought. Just uh, certainly, yeah. Listen, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, at the earlier part of the season, you know, I have friends who are in the medical community who were reporting to me that he was he was done. And yes, that's, and I that's, do recall that. Right. You know, by the way, I don't know if you're aware, but the one-year anniversary of that is coming up. I think the flags need to be lowered. 
on Twitter? I, I, I think every ESPN, NFL Network, Twitter <laughs> flag should be at half mast. Well, it's it's coming up this Friday. The, it was this the 18th. Friday. Yes. It's yes. the one-year anniversary of my infamous tweet. By the way, yes. can I just say this? That if you're a Colts fan like I am, practically there is no difference whether you're retired or not. He's not a Colt anymore. That's true. That is true. That, that and, you and at were, that point, mm-hmm. no one, and I mean no one, was even breathing a, a scintilla of a possibility that Peyton Manning would be cut from the Colts. Listen, Rob. No, no one was going there but me. But you, you were giving voice to what a lot of people were concerned about. Because right around this time last year, Peyton Manning was the NFL's Greta Garbo. You know, where he was out of view. Any scintilla of information in regards to his well-being was broadcast from sea to shining sea, no matter who was doing it. And you, I mean, you you put it out there, and everybody believed it because it was believable. Well, and, and I believed it. I mean, I'm not the first uh, person to be led astray by, by my sources. And, you know, it's like I ran into Peyton at the SPs, and he was... As always, is the greatest and such a gentleman. And we had yeah. a good, we actually had a really good laugh. What about did he it. say? What did he say? Well, I, I first of all apologized for any any you know chaos that that it started, and of course I knew full well it did start chaos. Um, and he just laughed and and he said, "Oh man," he said, "Look," he said, "My," he said, "I only I only thought it was surprising that, that my retirement would be you know announced by Soda Pop Curtis." <laughs> Which made, me, made me laugh. Payton's a big outsiders guy. He is a big outsiders guy, huh? That's, he's, he's a big outsiders guy. You gotta love that about him. I know, I know. You know, but you were, you were, and you weren't just fanning flames. You know what I mean? You weren't just doing it just to do, because I've got, I saved the voicemail you left me, Rob Lowe. So I know who to turn to. Let's See, play that thing. Well, here, here we go. This is the, this is the, and you could, you could hear yourself, folks, that this man was truly concerned about Peyton Manning's well-being. Give a listen. Here it is. Next message. Hey, it's Rob Lowe. Hey, I'm hearing Peyton's going to announce he's done today. Are you hearing this? Um, I'm on NFL radio, ESPN, all those things in my car. I'm not hearing anything. There's nothing on the web, but I'm hearing from very close sources. Um, wondering what you're hearing. Call me. 805. End of message. You see? Yeah. I had my source. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get a – you're a journalist. You tell me. What's the technical term for trying to get two – Confirmation. Two, I'm trying to get confirmation from the smartest NFL mind I know. That Thank be you. you, Mr. Rich Eisen. Thank you. Thank you, you. You had nothing to say <laughs> to yourself. You, were, you could not have been less helpful. I said, okay. And well, here's what I did. I hung up the phone, and I called our news desk. And I called our news and information man, who's now on CBS right now, Jason Lock and Fora. And his response was not like, dude, you know, it's Soda Pop Curtis or anything <laughs> of that. Okay, he wasn't like, dude, are you kidding me? He was like, okay, let me hang up and call his agent. And he called Tom Condon, Peyton Manning's agent. And Peyton Manning's agent was, he, upon hearing this, wasn't like, oh, come on, you got to be kidding me. He was just like, I haven't heard that. Let me call you back. Okay, so he had to pick up the phone. It was that believable on front on every possible front one year ago this week. Well, and and, and you know, like I keep coming back to, it, you know, there was, in some ways, it it was true. It, 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 everything was going to change as we knew it, and he wasn't going to be a cult anymore. And 
you know, clearly I wasn't the only one that didn't think he was going to be who he ended up being this year, happily. Mm-hmm. I've never been happier to have bad information in my life <laughs> than, to, than to watch him put on the clinic he put on this year. I know, but uh, as you said uh, moments ago, um, you might have been inaccurate in terms of him never playing again, period. But you were accurate in terms of him never playing again for the Colts, period, which is what happened. And then the entire Colts season played out in a fashion that nobody saw coming. Not a single – no, I, not even your your friend Jim Irsay could have even envisioned it going as well as it did and as emotionally as it did uh, in terms of what happened to the coach and how, how well the assistant comported himself. It really was a dream come true in, in that respect on the football field. It, it's one of those things where I think the, the best thing happened for everybody. Now, Peyton has a new start and a great team, and the future's wide open. Colts have, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback, and it worked quicker than even they they probably hoped. And, I mean, you know, as sad as that era was to end for everybody, I think everybody comes out of it in a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and luck, too. I mean, how did luck By seem By the way, what a nice with... man. Right? Oh, my gosh. The, the most humble, sweetest, you know, he was totally fun in, in this, this sequence we did. And, and by the way, hilarious, too. I mean, right. he can deliver a lot. He's been very low-key. There haven't been any commercials or anything with him yet. But based on what I saw in, in Parks and Rec, I mean, he's going to be as serious as, as, as he wants to be. I can't wait to see that. Because, you know, Peyton had some serious chops. He's got some big f- shoes to fill on that front, too. I mean, Peyton Manning is, in many in many ways, from people that I've spoken to who have done Saturday Night Live or former Saturday Night Live people, one of the best guest hosts ever, not ever. just sports, not just sports. Oh, oh that's the other thing. I should say, I do have my character, Chris Traeger on Parks and Rec, does do a Peyton Manning impersonation. Okay. Would you like to... I'm it? not going to reveal it now, but let's just say this, this Thursday, if this you've Thursday. ever wondered, and I know you have... Okay. About Chris Traeger's <laughs> Peyton Manning audible impersonation. Right. You're, you're going to see it. It's, it's, it's vintage Manning at the line silliness. Did, did you discuss uh, with Andrew Luck his, his neared, what they're calling the neared, the neck beard? Did you, did you approach anything to do with, with uh, oh, the, neared. Put, yeah, the neared? Fear the neared is what people were saying. Uh, out I, of Andrew Luck. I love the neared. This is a terminology I have been unfamiliar with until now. I always get good, at, you know, insider dish from you. That's this is why like you call. This, show. this is why you can call direct anytime. Fear the neared. Fear the neared. Fear it. Fear it. All right. Well, uh, talk to me about your uh, your film, um, uh, prosecuting Casey Anthony. That's coming up this this Saturday night. But what what is this about? Well, I was I was always sort of obsessed with the Casey Anthony case. I was so, that the, the loss of that beautiful little baby, and you can't imagine any parent harming their child, and the whole country was paying attention to it, and then, you know, to have the verdict come in like it did, and, and just shock everyone. Um, when they came to me to do the story of the man who prosecuted her, a guy named Jeff Ashton, he's a 30-year, you know, victim's rights prosecutor fighting for justice, Almost perfect record, 12 for 12 in death penalty cases. The first guy ever to use DNA to get a conviction in the state of of, of Florida. Takes one last case before retiring, and it's this one. Hmm. How did it go wrong? I I, I was fascinated to learn how and why this this 
this happened when the whole country saw it one way and the only people that mattered, the jury, saw it completely differently. That's it's incredible. Uh, that shocked the entire country. You know, and it's you know it, it really raises some good questions. I mean, can our judicial system, which was you know invented, you know way before social media and Twitter and twenty four hour cable news and information spreading the globe in in in, in thirty five seconds, you know, can can it really withstand that kind of of scrutiny? And there's a lot of evidence to to suggest that maybe it cannot. Right. And that's coming up this um, this Saturday night, uh, an original Lifetime movie. Yeah, it, I, I'm really proud of it. I executive produced it, and and it's it's a, it's a a really I think compelling look behind the scenes of a trial and and, and a man's uh, you know journey, and and how can anybody ever come back from something as devastating as that verdict would have been to that 30 year prosecutor? No question about that. And you you've sort of been on both sides of this type of thing you you played drew peterson in one television movie which was and, fun because that then, was like such a transformative i mean that was a like i was in a fat suit i had you know <laughs> i had fake teeth on i mean i you know i don't get to do that kind of you know daniel day lewis kind of <laughs> transformational acting very much so right. for, for me i knew that was either going to be like it was really going to work or they were going to come and take my screen actor's guild card and remove me forcibly from the acting profession. I knew it only goes one of two ways for a guy like me doing something like that. And then you've got Knife Fight coming up uh, in February after uh, the Super Bowl's all said and done. Yeah, that'll be on video What's on that? demand, which is great. And, you know, I love watching movies. To, uh, in five years ago, I, I, I insisted on seeing movies in theaters. Yes. Now, honestly, I prefer to watch them on video on demand. Uh, and that's where everybody in the country is going to have a chance to really watch Knife Fight. And that is... I play a, a political operative who literally will do and say anything to mm-hmm. get his seven guys he's running at once for office elected. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's an outrageous, sort of audacious satire um, look at our, at our process, written by a guy named Chris Lehane, who is an actual noted Democratic master of disaster fixer so that's right that's right so, so yes yeah, so you got is, the inside stuff this is the inside stuff on on the good the bad and the ugly and the funny of how people are elected in today's world yeah eric mccormick is in it as well um from uh, will and grace, will and grace fame. Yeah. julie bowen of of modern family julie bowen modern family she is unbelievable in this movie just she is hilarious and richard schiff your look, former west wing uh Fellow West Winger. If you've been looking for a West Wing reunion, you've got a little, uh, little Rob Lowe, Richard Schiff, Simon and Garfunkel sing again. And once again, we're fighting over who has the best harmonies. Back together again. Well, listen, Rob, I, I appreciate it. I know you've been all over the place. I appreciate you phoning in. I saw you even tweeted that you got a, a um, Barbara Walters. You sat down with Barbara Walters? How about that? I've been acting for 30-plus years, and yeah. I've never ever been interviewed once by Barbara Walters until this week. What was that? Did she get... well, she, was, she was clearly trying to dodge me all these years. <laughs> Did she make you cry? Did you cry? She tried to tongue kiss me. <laughs> and how did that work out? It was fun for me. <laughs> it was definitely on the upper register of my age range approvals. A... But... <laughs> upper register? Uh, uh, okay. Barbara's 80, I think 80 is something years old, which is, wow. which is really amazing. I mean, she is so sharp. So on it, and yeah. I've done I've done that show, The View, a bunch without her. 
Mm-hmm. And doing it with her, boy, I mean, those other women who are all smart and funny and interesting, man, they, they, they let the queen do her business. It's really interesting to watch. It's Barbara Walters, for crying out loud. She'll, and listen, she's a true legend. It was really actually a thrill. So then I'll, I'll, I'll ask you one final question that I'm sure she did not ask you. How do you think the Super Bowl is going to play out? Who makes it? Tell me what happens this weekend, and who makes the Super Bowl, and who wins that? you got Ooh, boy. You four teams left here. Oh, boy. Because she did not ask you that on The View, correct? That, that was never brought up. On <laughs> no. I don't okay. think Barbara's an NFL fan. Although Whoopi is. Whoopi Goldberg is an NFL fan. I've met her at a couple of NFL events, and she, she knew her stuff. I think, so. I think we're looking at Tom Brady. Okay. Hard to, we are to vote against Tom, don't you think? That's true. And I like the Niners. That kid is unbelievable, isn't it? Isn't it unbelievable? What a gutsy call. I mean, look, I don't like replacing people who were your starters when they're injured. I don't, right. I don't. I don't. I mean, I think that that is not a good thing. But at the end of the day, it's hard. It's hard to look askance at that decision. I've never. I, I, I've never seen a coach look at, been made to look as good by the player that he has made the decision in favor of. Uh, in the ten years I've done this, I've never seen anything as vindicating as one four quarters of action. You know what else I want to say while we're on this? I want to talk two things about RG3. Go for it. Just because I feel like I can't, I'm actually really surprised at the postmortem on that game. He's RG3, man. He's a stud. Okay. And, and studs play this sort of sense that somehow he shouldn't have played. And, and people I really respect are, are, are saying that I'm I'm I'm, I'm very surprised. Look, I, I, it's it's horrible that he's hurt. Adrian Peterson got got blown out and came back better than ever. So I think there's a lot of hope. But how would you have liked it? Would you like to have RG three said, "Gee, I don't think I can go." Can you imagine? Well, it's 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 uh, as you pointed out, uh, the postmortem has been filled. The void has been filled by uh, a disparate number of, of voices. And uh, everybody has a, an opinion on it. And it's interesting when something happens and people named Warren Sapp and Maureen Dowd appear <laughs> on the same side of the issue as they did. Okay. So wow. That's true. They both thought the same of the decision to leave him in the game and, and, and how they shouldn't have. Warren thinks that uh, Shanahan should have gone in at halftime and said, Kirk, it's your game. Kirk Cousins, it's your game. Defense. Uh, we've got a one-point lead. It's your job to protect it. Now let's go get him. He thought that really should have happened. I watched the game with Dion Marshall, Irvin, mm-hmm. uh, Mooch, Kirk yep. Warner as we were getting ready for the post game. We were all sitting there. Not a single one said, wow, he's got to come out of this game. Right? Nobody did. I didn't either. I didn't even think it. Even when he's limping around the end like Fred G. Sanford for a first down, he didn't, I, didn't even, I didn't even think about I mean, it. We've, we've seen Willis Reed. Yes. We've seen Kirk Gibson. Correct. We've seen Michael Jordan with the fl- – I mean, it goes on and on and on. I, I just – You're correct. But I, I guess in this day and age with, with, uh, with how much they gave up for him, what he meant to this team that had been uh, down and out for so long, uh, the fact that his uh, knee was uh, repaired back in 2009, um, all of that, as a lot of people think, should have been factored in. But none of this would have happened if he, was, if he had limped off the field with just the LCL injury. It was just unfortunate that, that he slipped, and, and boom, there went the rest of the knee, and obviously there could go the entire season for the Redskins next year. 
That would be awful because I, I was fortunate enough to meet him as well at the ESPYs. How awesome is he? Oh, my. He is so impressive. I mean, just just an amazing, an amazing ambassador for the league. I he mean, is. He, he just doesn't get any better. He is, and for the team and for the position and for, as you said, the sport. And he's and he he loves himself. Um, he he, lo- he Do you know what he did the night he was drafted? Hmm. He he was drafted Radio City Music Hall, then went down the street and watched the live West Coast taping of Thirty Rock. Remember really? They, they did. Yeah. Remember they did that that season yeah, sure. finale live. And he went. And he well, maybe the tape. listen. I've done a scene with Andrew Luck. Yeah. Maybe it's time for a little RG three action. That's it. There you go. Just I like move your on ca- down. I like your casting ideas. Yeah. Are good. Well, just keep moving on down, That's and right. you know, and 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 eventually you'll get to Russell Wilson. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, hey, listen, thanks for the time, Rob. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for calling in. This is great. Fasten your seatbelts, man. It's it's going to be amazing this weekend. Yes, uh, and what better way to whet your football appetite than watch you and Andrew Luck and Reggie Wayne and Jim Irsay on uh, Parks and Rec coming up this Thursday at eight eight thirty time? I know you're definitely going to go what. Did I just see <laughs> what just transpired on my television? And then you've got uh, prosecuting Casey Anthony, a new original Lifetime movie coming up this Saturday night. And in between that Thursday Parks and Rec and that Saturday night prosecuting Casey Anthony, Rob Lowe, you can celebrate on Friday the one-year anniversary of your Peyton Manning tweet. That, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'll never get over it. <laughs> I'll never get my, twi- my Twitter feed. I, literally within 10 minutes, I think I had 60,000 more followers <laughs> and, and 60,000 phone calls to explain myself. Oh, but you survived it. You made it through. You made it through the rain, man. I did. I made, I made it through the rain, and, and, and all, all's well that ends well, as they say, right? Yes, the, indeed. Absolutely. <laughs> Rob, thanks for calling in, man. You bet. Good to That's talk Ro- to you. You bet. That's Rob Lowe on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Gotta love Rob Lowe, man. How funny is he? That was awesome. His Barbara Walters line, I believe, uh, law needs to be put into a new open. <laughs> We've got to cut a new open anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah we got. Uh, we're we've actually a lot of complaints. People have been clamoring for a new on, open. Uh, we're going to do a show later this week, and uh, one of the things at the end, we're going to go through some New Year's resolutions. Um, we okay. had a, we had a submission for a New Year's resolution for you, Rich, from somebody in this building, uh, podcast related. So we're going to play that, that for you. Well, you'll oh, have yeah. to you'll have to see. And then Brockman and I have. Uh, we, we've gotten some suggestions, too, all we need to work on for the podcast. Well, the one is a new open, and, and when the new open comes, the Rob Lowe a line of Barbara Walters. Mouth-kissing Barbara in. Walters? In. <laughs> wow. In. I, I don't know if I need that image in my mind. Well, there you have it. Well, it's there. It's too, there's no way to get it out of there. Okay, uh, NFL uh, Fantasy Playoff Challenge, the Rich Eisen podcast group that now uh, swelled uh, the ranks of the group, swelled to over 6,700. Oh, this is fun. And um, interestingly enough, the leader of the Rich Eisen podcast group um, is, in fact, number two overall in the entire, entire, the entire challenge, challenge of everybody. Yeah, his team is Boncos. And uh, I believe uh, let's give him some some props here. It's Jeff Australia. Uh, I don't know. How yeah. is, that what, is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Hef- Jeff, Hefo, Jeff, Jeff Australia. Yeah. Jeff Australia. He has three hundred and eighty points. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, in 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 our in our <laughs> the groupings, as you could see, uh, I'm calling it up right now. Although I have to again complain, the, there's too much on NFL.com's pages. <laughs> there is. It takes forever to it takes forever to load. You know what you need to do on you uh, can't on load Google, this stuff on Google Chrome. There's a thing called AdBlock. 
and if you download it, Man, uh, it takes just away. Like, can can there be more? Can we jam more stuff on <laughs> on NFL.com? All right, I finally found it here, and I, I, I it, it doesn't take long for me to normally surf a, a web, but uh, we have almost sixty eight hundred users, six thousand seven hundred ninety one. And still growing, by the way. I don't know. God bless people who still want to get in, even though I don't know how they're going to catch up. Certainly to <laughs> Jeff Jeff Australia, I guess. Jeff Australia, J E F O, and then S T R A L I A. Uh, Seven hundred and eighty points is good enough for a tie for, as they say, third. Three three hundred and eighty points. Three hundred and eighty points. Is that what I said, or I didn't say? You that. said seven eighty, I think. But. It's three. Well, it look, feels like seven eighty. Yeah, he's uh, way out front. Yeah, he he's got he's got um he ranks number two overall in the entire competition. Crazy. And the winner of this gets tickets to the Super Bowl it's next year. If, yeah, he, if you're if you live in the U in the continental U.S., I believe. Um, there's some rules you got to read the fine print, but the winner gets tickets to the Super Bowl. And um, right now, uh, if we look at the leaderboard of the entire entire competition. Uh, he is tied with somebody called Perverse Diploma. Now, let me <laughs> let me tell you what his uh, – or it could be a she. My apologies. Um, if you're hearing this, uh, tweet at us to let us know who you are. Uh, this person has Colin Kaepernick as the quarterback. So last week – they only points. got. By the way, last week, just to show you how if you choose smartly in week one, even though you get zero points from this – from these players – they, you get double the points the next week, and man, did that pay off for this person. Colin Kaepernick got uh, 92 points. <laughs> 92 points. Yep, because he got 46 for real. Right, and, and then that. Ray Rice with seven points just last week, 38 this week. Arian Foster, 54 points this week for double the points. <laughs> Greg Jennings, 22 Michael Crabtree, 46. Gonzalez, 22. Stephen Gostowski, 22. Ravens defense, 32. So you take a look at this roster. Last week, just 52 points, which ranked this player (laughs) 574,749 out of the entire group. Now, this player is ranked second overall. And that's that roster. So they have to replace Foster and Jennings, and that's it. Triple the points from Kaepernick, Rice, Crabtree, Gonzalez, Gostowski, Ravens defense. Triple the points, and it'll be single the points from whatever running back or wide receiver that they replace Jennings and Foster with. Here's perverse diploma. You tell me if you think this person's in trouble because their quarterback is Russell Wilson, gone. Foster, running back, gone. Lynch, running back, gone. Andre Johnson, wide receiver, gone. Tight end, Owen Wilson, place kicker, Shane Graham, gone. They're only going to have Torrey Smith and Baltimore Ravens defense going triple the points, going to have to replace everyone else. This person's out. What about Razor Rob? That the guy's in first, right? Razor Rob. He's, in, he's uh, had, had best. Had best. Well, I don't know about that. Razor Rob's picks at 400 points. It's similar to what our guy, yeah, set up pretty well. But he's going to lo- he's he's lose his tight, tight end. He's going to lose his tight end. He's got Kaepernick, Rice, Foster, Crabtree, Torrey Smith, Owen Daniels, Justin Tucker, and Baltimore Ravens defense. So the person who is leading the entire NFL.com competition, the person who is two rounds away from winning the Super Bowl tickets, if it is a Niner-Ravens Super Bowl, they're doing cartwheels. They're doing cartwheels. Cartwheels. But the winner could come from our group. 
Which would be, uh, I would I would puff the chest out, right? Which would be Jeff Australia. Because that would mean that, you know, we're factors. We're, eight, we're factor backs. You never know. Uh, eight eight legs, four nipples could come up for <laughs> Michael Vartan. Or, Do we know uh, how he's doing? Uh, I'm actually, I'm going to contact our development See, team. They're that's gonna, the problem, they're too, is you can't. Top. We need to, we need, the, the, for next year. The friends of the program the need things, to be near the top. The two things that need, well, you also have to have a search function. Yeah, there's no search function. There's no search function, and it's not real-time updated in terms of where you are in the grand scope of the competition. Let's talk about the guy in 329th place. Would that be you? That would be me. Well it's done, not bad. Brockman. Not bad. That's not not really overall, well but in our group. So, oh, in our group. Yeah, in our group. Well, you're better you, than, better than me and Rich. Oh, man, I'm terrible. I'm brutal. You know, no Sean Marino killed you. Yeah, he killed me. Aaron Rodgers is gone. Foster's gone. Jennings is gone. And right. A lot of my big guns need to be replaced. Which the the right side me. of your page is great. Julio Jones, Aaron Hernandez, Matt Bryant, and, and Baltimore Ravens. Bless you for switching to Aaron Hernandez, man. What a smart move because I've got Gronk. I know. you I got, got Well, you guys went all in on Gronkowski. Both I of you did. i got to replace him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm in really bad shape. I've already set my lineup for the final. For, for, for I, I made some adjustments today also. Well, bottom line is um, someone could, could complete the, uh, the clean sweep of the Super Bowl tickets and a phone call. It would be the trifecta, right? <laughs> Super Bowl <laughs> tickets, phone call to the podcast, and free NFL Rewind. Yes. That's the trifecta. Someone could sweep them all. They could go Shane Vereen and hat trick it. And Shane Vereen. <laughs> take the whole thing down. I mean, there's a Gordie wow. Howe hat trick, Rich. We could, we could come up with an Eisen podcast hat trick. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad it's uh, – People are doing well. Absolutely. Uh, from our group. All right, so we have any more housekeeping? Yeah, actually, I don't know if you recall a few a few weeks back, I teased a little uh, a little segment idea. I had uh, Guest Who. Got yes. a few questions about it. Well, the first installment of Guest Who has been executed. I uh, found somebody from your from your past, Rich. Okay. And they uh, they phoned in earlier this week. We've laid down some audio tracks. And, what do you uh, mean from my past? Somebody that, that knows you that you're going to have to try and... Guess. Find out who it is. Yeah, guess I'll have who. to guess who it is. There'll be a guest on this podcast. Uh, the way it'll work is uh, I've manipulated their voice, so we'll play back them uh, making some statements uh, about your and their relationship, if okay. you will. Uh-huh. And uh, they'll be on the on the phone line the whole time as well, but just silent. Oh. And you will uh, you will try and guess who that guest is. It's called I, Guess Who. I don't know if I like this. I like it. All. <laughs> Well, of course you like it. You made it. You made it up. I, do I don't like know it. if I like this segment at all. <laughs> I make no promises. I, I, hopefully, I didn't cross. What are you talking this about? Is, my, this, this is. is the, hopefully, you didn't, you didn't get. This you didn't get my prom date. Or this is. Like oh that. man! Well, well no. now you just now gave you me just an gave idea. us ideas. No, this but is, that's not what this. This is the pilot episode. This yeah, this is this is a okay. test. This is the pilot. And, and, but you understand, I get the green light. Yeah. Whether we pick right. this up to series or not, <laughs> right. I understand that, right? So the fun thing for the, the listener at home is, you know, they don't know who it is either. So hopefully they can, you know, take some of the clues and maybe guess. Okay. Um, it is a, a, a public person. This isn't somebody that. Okay. It's uh, not someone that, from my personal Yeah, exactly. Right. No, Very this good. is a, a public person. So. All right. Very good. So that should be fun. All right. Um, and then uh, we're going to be taping a podcast later this week with a few other guests uh, still ironing that out. Yes, TBD. Okay, very Effort, good. Efforting. That's later on this week. Thank you, guys. Thanks Appreciate the, it. Appreciate you, Rich. No, uh, no, no international shout-out? Well, no, we're going to do it later in the week. We'll do it later in the week. All right. All uh, right. Please watch all of Rob Lowe's material. Oh my gosh, he's really busy. <laughs> well, this makes it. me now. I've never seen a single second of Parks and Rec, but now I, I, got I, it now. I set the old DVR. Yes. I, I'm ready to tune in. 8.30 Eastern time on NBC Parks and Recreation, a very funny show. He's funny in it. Everybody's in that show is, is hilarious in it. And uh, with uh, Jim Irsay, Reggie Wayne, and Andrew Luck guest starring. 
can we tease a, a little bit of our of our Super Bowl podcast, or we leave that for later in the week? We'll or leave that week? for later. We'll leave that. All right, who perfect. knows? We've got some people who say yes, and then they, you know, my, my gosh, and then hopefully they're not in a movie with gambling in it. So <laughs> we, we've already checked their 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 entire filmography, and I think these people are cleared for takeoff. They're coming so. out clean. One person uh, we didn't have though, uh, Golden Globe winner Jennifer Lawrence, mm-hmm. was uh, was not. On, on, on well, that listen. Program. At least, at least, Silver Lining Playbook did not get nominated in all seven major <laughs> Academy Award categories. Oh, hold on oh, a minute. Wait, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It did. It did. Oh, oh, right, right. It did. <laughs> gotcha. Rich, have a great day. <laughs> Thank you, at Chris Law and at Chris Brockman. I'm at Rich Eisen for at the Eisen Podcast, presented by Chevy Simon. Stay listening, friends.